as many of you know, we're preaching around the Advent candle. We um, did last week hope. This week is love, and so we'll be preaching about that. Next week is faith, joy. Yours has faith, joy. We're going to kind of combine those two, and we'll, we'll speak on that. And then the last Sunday will be peace. And, of course, Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle, which is all about Christ. That's leading us up. And Advent is just the anticipation, the pre, um, preparation of Christ coming. And, and it's uh, just a wonderful thing. I want to thank the choir again. What a great job they did this morning. I appreciate them letting me sing along with them. I hope I didn't mess Daniel up too much sitting next to him. But I, uh, <laughs> anyway, it's, um, we had a great time, and, and I appreciate the choir doing that. And it's always a special, special service when we were able to do that. Uh, last week, if you remember, I, pr I, pr I preached the genealogy of Jesus, and kind of a little different uh, approach. This week, we're going to take up right after where I just finished off in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 18. Chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you will, if you'll stand as we read God's word, those that are able to. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. If you remember, I mentioned Matthew kind of slants his gospel in the way of prophecy. He wanted all the, the, the Old Testament scriptures prophesied about things, and he kind of approaches it that way. And so, as you can see, he even mentions that in, in this, this particular chapter. So, we love to love love, right? Love is one of those things we throw around a lot. We, we love chocolate. We love our spouse. We love our boyfriend, girlfriend. We love our neighbors. We love the Lord. We love, you, you see what I mean? We, we use that word love in a lot of different ways. And that's, um, when we think about love and we think about Jesus, I think love is probably one of the first things we think about. You know, we, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We, we think of love when we think of Jesus. We think of love, God sent Jesus because of his love for us. And, and, and it's important to everyone. We all want it, we all search for it, we all want to experience it. We, Hallmark makes lots of money because of love. You think about it, they, they really do. Because everybody loves those love stories. I, I, as you all know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I probably like them more than Janet does. I watch those crazy movies. We watched one last night. Uh, you, know, so, you know what I'm saying? We, 
we get involved. But what is it? It's that, that feeling, right? Love, love is just that feeling we all have, and we want it. And this whole season, we kind of speak about love. We, we do all the extra decorations. We do everything we can to just appeal to all of our senses and smells. We, we buy candles. We smell candles. We light candles. We do all those things what, to kind of help us experience all of what it has. To, and so we want to express that love. So in this scripture, we have Mary and Joseph pledged to be married. Now, they were not married. They were engaged, betrothed, which was a little more than what we have today. Now, today's engagements are a little different from what that was. This was a legal binding agreement. This was not just, hey, you want to marry me? Let's get married someday. You know. Usually it was also planned out. It was one of those things that um, you were, well, frankly, you were engaged for one year at least. Sometimes it was longer if the child, if the girl was like 12, because they, they, as young as 12, they would be betrothed. Boy, does that send us in a, in a tizzy thinking about that, doesn't it? Most people think Mary was around 14, maybe 15. Think about that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know, yeah, I know we're, we're all kind of like, you know, we don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't give us a thing. But in their tradition, that would be about right. She would be, some, some scholars believe she was as young as 13. I know. Really? But that's, it, it, it's, for us, in 2021, almost 2022, that is an unfathomable thing. For one thing, to, to, for the dads and moms to start saying, all right, let's see who we're going to hook our daughter up with and, 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 and betroth her to them and get the dowry and do all the stuff that goes along with that. Think about that for your 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old. My daughter got married at 19. That was extremely too young. I was very upset. I'm going, really? She found Casey the first week in college. She was 18, and she found Casey. They cheered together. They were in love. Trust me, she had a boyfriend before she went to college. She went to college. We lived in Waynesboro, Georgia. She went to college in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Not a short drive. Well, to move her in, boyfriend went with us. Boyfriend was a member of our church. I've known him since he was a pup, you know, and I've known him for a long time. And she, he went, he cried all the way home. He rode with us and cried all the way home. Why? Because he was in love, and he knew she was going away to school 12 hours away, or 8, 10 hours away, however long it was, and he knew that the chances of her coming back and staying with him was not good. First week, she met Casey. She was in love. Christmas came. She brought Casey home to meet us. Casey asked me if he could marry her. I said, I'm okay with that, but don't get any hurry about it. That was, that was my quote. He had hardly got out of the driveway. He already asked her to marry him. So they were engaged for almost a year. Got married at 19. That was too young to me. I can't fathom my 14-year-old, 15-year-old daughter betrothed to be married. But of course, it was a different time. 
It was a different setup. They did things differently. And there they were, engaged, going to be engaged for a while. They were, were they in love? Probably not yet. They probably liked each other. They were, that's what the betrothal period was to get to know each other a little bit, but they didn't even spend a lot of time. It was one of those things that it was an arranged situation and they grew to love them. Anybody that's been married any length of time will tell you, you thought you were in love when you got married, but it sure does change over the years. Usually for the better. Sometimes not, but most of the time, I, I can tell you today, I love Janet way more today than I did the day we got married. There's no way. I mean, I, I didn't even, that love was nothing compared to the love we have now. It's a whole different situation. Because what? It grows. That's the cool thing about love, is it grows more and more all the time. And so here we have Joseph, who apparently cared deeply for Mary because he didn't want to have her put to shame by this scandalous news that he just got. Think about that feeling. What kind of thoughts was he going through when he goes, she goes, well, I'm expecting a child. Think of, and put, her, put yourself in her situation. I've got to tell this guy that I'm expecting a child, but yet I've not been with anybody. How does that work? You know, how is he going to believe me? What are the neighbors going to say? What are all the little old ladies at church going to say? What are all the other people? You see what I'm saying? You know, and you, we, we laugh and we jump. But folks, it was a real deal. This was a scandalous thing. This was not just some little, oh, well, sorry, I messed up. Or, oh, well, here we are. It doesn't work that way. They, they, that was serious offense to them. This was divorceable. This was a legal document. This was go to the court and wipe it clean kind of deal. And then, you know, Joseph's thinking, sweet little Mary, how could she possibly? What's going on here? Think about it. He thought she was a little sweet. And here she is, innocent, going, I didn't do anything. This is a gift, really. This is supposed to be good news, but your folks aren't going to believe it's good news. The neighbors aren't going to think it's good news. They're all going to look at you like, yeah, we see. We like to bundle it up in a nice little bow in church, don't we? Oh, the little couple, and they went to Bethlehem, and, and she had the baby, and everything was sweet and nice. And, and yeah, it was probably a rough trip there, but, but uh, we, we, you know, we bundle it up in a nice bow and make it look all pretty and try to think. Folks, this was a scandalous, tough thing to go through. This was no small deal. And, and here again, you think of Mary being we'll say 14, and she's having to deal with these kind of situations with the people looking down their noses and like, mm-hmm. we know what you've been up to. Right? This is what happened. And Joseph is kind of going, I'm disgraced. You know, the man, was that was considered a disgrace to him because that was his betrothed. So it, he had to come up with some plan. What do I do? How do I handle it? But we have really good news. This man was a godly man. Joseph was not just an ordinary guy. 
Anybody that thinks so needs to, you know, we kind of leave him out of a lot of things. But this is a big deal. Joseph was a godly man. Number one, when the angel came and gave in the dream and told him, hey, it's okay, he did it. Matter of fact, he told him what to name the baby, and he did it. Now, there's a novel thought, isn't it? God gives us command to do something, and us actually doing it. Yeah, come on now, here we are. God tells us to do stuff all the time, and we sometimes do it, and we sometimes don't. Joseph, is it? Have you ever felt God prompting you to do something and you said, well, maybe it's not really God, or maybe, I don't know, that sounds kind of hard. I don't think I better do that. My guess is we've all done it more than one time where God was really prompting us to do something. The story of a guy that, and this true story, I, I wish I could remember his name, but I can't, um, was driving home from work one night, and that prompt came to him, buy a gallon of milk. He's going, I don't need a gallon of milk. Why am I buying a gallon of milk? But he kept just, you know, in his head, kept saying, buy a gallon of milk. So he stopped and bought a gallon of milk. And, and then as he was driving, it, it said, that thing says, see that house right there? You need to stop and give them that gallon of milk. That's weird. These people are going to think I've lost my mind. What do you mean? I just need to walk up to this stranger's house and hand them a gallon of milk? All of us would do the same thing. I don't know, this is, can't be God telling me to do it. No, I just, but he, it just hit him. He stops, walks up, rings the doorbell, and there's this little mom with a crying baby who was hungry, and she was not able to get out and get it milk and needed milk. Now, folks, he listened to what God said and helped this young family out. Now, folks, that happens to us. We just don't always listen. We are prompted to say something to someone. We see someone that's going through a tough time. We see someone that's, that looks kind of distressed. And we feel like, you know, maybe I ought to do something for them. But they go, no, I don't know. I should, maybe I shouldn't do it. No, when God tells us to do something, we need to do it. And open our hearts and our minds and our eyes. I can tell you right now, you ask for God to give you an opening, he will do it. If you're, if you to witness to someone, to talk to someone, to help someone, he will give you that. He'll open doors like that for you. If you're open to him, he will open them. I can't tell you the number of times people have needed something or, you know, and I just showed up at a time when I don't know why, I just did. And then they go, I was hoping you'd come by. Why? Because God does that. So imagine Joseph and Mary and the talk and the ridicule that they must have felt, but yet they were obedient. They did exactly what he told them. We never know what circumstances some people are going through. People go through stuff all the time and we don't know what they're going through. I run into people, we do it, we do it in church. We'll go, hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, there's a song on the Christian radio that says, I'm fine, yes, I'm fine, yes, I'm fine, yes, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken. You know, there, it's, and I don't know if you've heard that song or not. I love that song because it's, it is exactly us. We tell everybody, oh, everything's fine, we're good, but we're not. We're struggling with something. And we do this to each other, 
and we and we see people in this congregation, we see people on the street, and we, and we want to we make pleasantries, but we don't really know what they're going through and how we could possibly help. And here, this young couple was going through a tough time. He, they're told to call him Jesus, which was a pretty common name in those days. It meant Jehovah is salvation, or to be saved, or Jesus, or saved. Truer words were never spoken, were they? This Jesus really did come to save the world. And he was given other names, and he mentions it, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. You see, God was not, they, they spoke to God, and they saw miracles, they saw those things, but they didn't really experience God with them until Jesus came. Jesus was God down there in the midst, walking with them, showing God's grace, love, and mercy, all those things daily, all the time as he walked. I, I'm thinking as a child what he must have been like. We were talking earlier today about middle school. You know, middle school is probably the roughest years of any child's life. I mean, they just really are. It's the nature of the beast. It's they're, all, they're changing and all things are going on in their lives. Think about Jesus as a middle schooler and what kind of difference he probably could make with other middle schoolers because of the, that he was God with them. He had that amount of grace. Well, we know part of his middle school years, where was he? He was in the temple. One of the few things we know about what he did growing up was him in the temple. And what did this middle schooler do? He was making the, the priests and rabbis go, what? How, do they, how does he know this stuff? How does he ask these kind of questions? How is he? Because he was no ordinary middle schooler. It makes a huge statement to know that God was with him. And think about how this love really developed. Do you think Mary's love for Joseph jumped when he all of a sudden went, I understand, and you're, I'm moving you in with me. This is it. We're going to do this. Do you think all of a sudden she loved Joseph a little bit more? And all of a sudden got to know him a little better. You imagine that Joseph's love when he found out that his wife was chosen by God to birth the Savior. Now, now, folks, remember all this Old Testament, all these words before, are all about the Messiah coming. They're talking about Jesus coming. Joseph was no stranger to that. He knew exactly about Jesus coming. And to think that he was going to be a part of that? His love for Mary had to have jumped. All of a sudden they knew that God had an important task for them and that even though they were having to endure all this other stuff, they had something much more important to deal with. Imagine their love for God. How it grew. Because they were chosen. You're chosen. I want you to be the parents of my child. No pressure. Right? You know, we, grow, we think about what pressure we have on our own kids, you know. <laughs> think about, you're raising God's child, right? You know, that no pressure. Would that, I mean, think about it. You're raising the perfect child? <laughs> I mean, really? I can't imagine. But it's exciting. It was not only terrifying, it was exciting because they knew the Savior 
was coming. They knew the Savior was going to be in their house. Did they understand what all that meant? Have no clue. They didn't know what kind of things were really going to happen to them. The baby came, and anybody that's ever held a newborn baby can tell you about the love that comes flowing out. When you hold that baby, you just can't express it. Imagine God's son as a baby. How much more that love must have poured out. All the pain, all the ridicule, all the strife, all the stuff that had gone on, all of a sudden, kind of takes a back seat to the love of the child. You can talk to moms, and we all know about labor pains, and we hear about those. Us guys don't really get it, but, but we know about it. And, and a, mo- a mom may mention it after the baby comes, but it all takes a back seat. They don't even, it's like, it didn't happen, that part didn't happen when the baby comes because of the love of the child. Because the baby took away all that stress, all that pain, all the stuff that they went through to get the baby there. The baby kind of takes, ah, the baby is here. And all the pain, all the suffering, all the stuff you went through is changed because of that. Everything is better. Love came down at Christmas. Love that song. There's another song I really like that um, that says, um, what a difference the, a, baby, a baby makes. What a, there's, I can't remember the exact title. One of you all can probably spat it off. But I, a, baby's change, a baby changes everything. Baby changes everything. This baby changed everything. All the stuff that went on, it changed. Their lives were all of a sudden different. The cool thing is they still listened to God because he told them to what? They were supposed to take off, went to Egypt. Egypt? Really? Really? That was a foreign country, folks. A for real foreign country. A whole other world. But yet they went and did as they were. So, what about our love for him? We know his love for us. Where's our love for him? How do we express it? What do we give the Savior? We know he's the only way to get saved. He's our only salvation. We're doomed without him. Yet we kind of take it for granted, don't we? How do I know we take it for granted? Well, we feel like sometimes his love is expect. Well, we expect God's love. What about all those other religions? Their gods don't love them, do they? They have to do, show their expressions of love to their God to keep him from what? Destroying them. Our God loved us so much, he kept us from being destroyed. Wow. That's the difference in Christianity. That's the difference that Jesus made. That's the reason. Can you imagine what it's like to know that Jesus is God's gift to us, how much he loves us. Do we really feel that his love's expected? If we wouldn't take things for granted, I would wonder because we give him our leftovers usually. Our leftover time, if we got time, I'll go do that. 
or if I've got talent, well, if I've got some time to do that, or if I've got, I've got a little bit here, I'll go give him that. Oh, I, I might have an extra dollar here, I'll give it to that to him. Or I might have, the, you see, we tend to take things and just give him our leftovers instead of giving him our best and our first. God didn't give us leftovers. He gave us his best. He gave us his only son. Folks, I've got one son. I'm not giving him to you. I might let you borrow him. He might make me crazy some days. But you can't have him. My guess is anybody else out there with children will tell me the same thing. You might can borrow my child, but you can't have them. They may make me crazy, but you can't have them. They're, I'm not giving him up for that. So here we go. We think we can go to church every so often, drop a few dollars on a plate, and that's our worship, and that's enough. No, he deserves all of us. He deserves much more than that. If we really believed and understood the love that he gave us, we couldn't keep it inside. We wouldn't let anyone go without it. We'd want to make sure everyone understood the love that Christ has for them. We are blessed, folks. God, we are blessed. God has done so much for us. We should give him our best. We should give him all of us. All to Jesus, I surrender. Not uh, this little bit I'll surrender and this little part I won't. All to Jesus, I surrender. Love has come. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for, your, for you coming to earth for us. We don't get it. We don't deserve it. But we thank you. Help us, Lord, to understand what you have to offer us. Lord, help us to give ourselves to you. Help us, Lord. We are so unworthy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you and we praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're having an invitation time. We invite you to come if you have any decisions you'd like to make. The altar is always open. Remember what Christ did for us as we remember this time.